A virus has pushed us into a new way of working. For some, it has meant a big challenge to get their workforce mobile. For others, it has played to their strengths. While most would say we are still in crisis, for others we are moving into what they believe is a recovery. The question many are asking, though, is how and will we ever get back to working the way we used to? We talk with Tracy Murphy, Chief People and Culture Officer at Amazem, Australia's fourth largest mobile phone provider and a growing energy provider, about the decision to work from home early, lessons learned, and what a return to work might look like. From the team at Helix, I'm Tim Mullen. This is The Science of Us. A podcast about who we are, how we behave, and why. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Helix. www.helix.com At Helix, we help you understand your people, track progress, and stay connected. Check out the website to learn more. So Tracy Murphy, welcome to The Science of Us. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Tim. How are you going? Very good. Thank you very much for joining us. For the audience out there, could you tell them a little bit about yourself and your role at Amazon? Sure. So I'm the Chief People and Culture Officer for Amazon. Um, we have offices across Sydney, Melbourne and the Philippines. Uh, roughly around 700 employees overall. And right now we're, we're all working from home. Indeed, we are all working from home. It's, uh, it's something that we've all had to adjust to pretty quickly, um, as we all found out, I think it was back in March now. But I guess before we even get to where we are right now, um, it's good to start maybe at a point where we can think about remote work before it even happens. So before we even got to this point of thinking, okay, remote working is a trend, there was a lot of talk about it, it's been growing quite significantly year on year. Uh, and I think for the perspective of a lot of people, they were saying, you know, a lot of the advocates were saying, well, we want to be doing more remote, more remote work from home. And we're now at a point, I guess we were seeing a lot more of it as a result of, of the current conditions. But what do you think the view was? So I've rattled off a few stats that I've sort of seen, but what do you think the view was from people you'd spoken to, particularly in the Australian market, towards working remotely flexibly before uh, everything began from February? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we're predominantly a technology-based company um, and so very used to remote setups. We have all the, the Zoom, the Slack, et cetera, the tools to help us do that. And I think you'll find a lot of the other technology-based companies are in the same um, position. Um, the startups who are a bit more nimble as well, um, they probably work. But if you have your more traditional and larger organisations around some areas in the, the bank, uh, banks, then um, you would find that they probably weren't as well uh, set up in the, in the early stages. Um, and, of course, you have all your customer-facing uh, roles that uh, really just can't work from home. So um, we, we're, we're lucky we have minimal um, number of those roles. Um, but obviously our Philippines contingent um, is call centre-based, and so that was a, a real shift to, be, to enable them to work from home. And is that something that was a draw card for you with a lot of employees coming to join Amazon? Obviously, you've got an amazing culture. You know, I've got to sort of see a glimpse into it. Uh, would you say that a lot of employees, that would be one of the draw cards for them, that flexible nature of working, of why they would join you? 
Yeah, look, all the research you say says that's one of the one of the top, you know, few um, draw cards for a company. Um, and so we certainly uh, did promote that. I guess going forward, um, it will be less um, unusual um, for, for companies to offer that. And so you know, I guess one of our um, next steps is to go, well, how are we going to differentiate ourselves even more, given that flexible work is probably more a normal thing going forward. That's very interesting. We'll return to that point, I think, at yeah. the end, because that's a very interesting topic in itself. So when we think about where we are right now and, and the crisis has ensued and what that has resulted on in the way that people work. So you've said the transition was pretty good um, to working from home in your business. Yeah. What do you see looking across the landscape? So you sort of mentioned banks there. Are there any other examples that you had of really good examples of the way people have done it? And then some, you know, where you've been discussing with your peers and they're just saying it is really difficult to shift a, a workforce that's very used to working in a traditional manner to this remote nature. Yeah, I think um, uh, people have, in, in general, um, have uh, managed to get all the right technology up and running pretty quickly. Most companies are in, in, in cloud-based, so um, that that's worked really well. I don't have any, any specific examples, um, but I think we were really lucky in that we uh, made the decision early to work from home. Um, we started to do some trial runs and I think that's one of the keys that when we have talked to other people, other organisations, is the preparation beforehand, trying to um, use our crystal ball. And we sent teams home um, for a couple of days working remotely to see what, what went wrong and what worked. Um, and so that was, that was key um, for us. I think um, the other thing we've seen is people recognising the need to set people up at home properly. Um, so we've, we've, we've seen a number of people um, offer, um, including ourselves, um, subsidies for people to kind of set their, their home office up more readily. And it's, that's going to be an interesting trend in itself because I've got a few friends in architecture and we did a, an interview with um, someone who actually runs a, an architectural firm, one of the divisions from a creative point of view and talking about what the impact will be on them. And I think that my friend here locally in architecture was saying that there is probably going to be a huge boon for this sort of market now where people are coming in and helping you curate your own working from home setups and your own little home offices and stuff that you wouldn't normally think about. But in a world where we're increasingly cluttered with what we have, you almost want a bit of a Marie Kondo approach to your home office as well. So I think it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how that wraps out. And if we look now, so you have, you did go early. So you've been probably in this longer than most, I would say at the moment. Uh, Week 10. Yeah, week 10, there you go. So most people I talk to are ranging from week six to sort of week seven or eight. Um, what would you say the, the impact overall has been? Has it been a largely positive experience then? Um, have there been some teething problems? You mentioned obviously getting the right setup there for your people from a technology standpoint, yeah. but has it been positive, negative, neutral? How have you found it overall? Yeah. Look, it's been exceptionally positive. Um, even people, you know, managers who may not have been convinced on the um, ability for people to work from home and productivity levels, then they've been um, surprised. And so it's been really welcomed by everybody. In fact, you know, we're now, as, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, later, but um, looking at, well, what do we not want to give up if we, if we are returning to the office at some point? What do we not want to give up? Um, one of the, the challenges, and, and so, yes, we, we went early, we practised, we had um, technology, we set people up with desks and chairs, we allowed people to um, 
go in and bring their monitors home, their chairs home, whatever they needed from the office as well. Um, but Zoom fatigue um, was huge. And uh, we had morning check-ins with your team every morning. Um, then you would have had other team meetings along the day. Um, and you couldn't just get up and walk and talk to someone. You'd have to create a meeting. So that was um, a very big thing that um, we found early on. Um, and so to, I guess, help with that, some teams started to block out 12 to 2 every day, no meetings, uh, encouraging people to get up and exercise um, or just get on with some, doing some work because they couldn't get it done because they're always in, in meetings. Um, but importantly, to try and get some time out for themselves um, and, and their family, you know, if they have family around them as well. And um, just, one thing I was just going to interrupt there is that with yeah, the, right. the comment you made about excuse me, about meetings. And we were discussing that a bit earlier as well, that yes, they're like, definitely I felt Zoom fatigue as well when there's so many. But what we've noticed is the meetings have almost regulated themselves out and you only meet about stuff that is really important now. And it's almost, and I think there's a broader topic here that I've talked with a few people about, which is we're starting to do all the things that perhaps we should have done before the crisis anyway. It's all of like that yeah. supplemental stuff that we didn't have to do. Would you yeah. say that a lot of meetings have now become more focused as a result and people are realizing, okay, actually, I don't need to meet about that. I could just send a Slack message or an email, whatever it might be, and that's actually going to sort it out. Or I can come back to it later and do an amalgamation of points. Yeah, no, I agree. I think people... Um, who, are, who would normally just quickly mm. stick a meeting in are thinking, actually, I'm, I'm done with meetings myself, yeah. so how can I do this differently? Um, so it may be a phone call, but, um, you know, if, you still, if it's just a one or two other people. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think we also are finding people ending, ending meetings um, in a more timely fashion because they've got to get to their next meeting, which is not a great thing, but at least people are going, right, I only have the 45 minutes to an hour because I know I've got to go on to the next thing. Um, yep. And so people are starting to, to get better outcomes. And this is also connected to this point. Another topic that's come up with a previous uh, guest that we had on the show was talking about we talked about social distancing versus physical distancing because in many ways you don't want social distancing because you do actually want to be very closely connected with one another socially. Yeah. It just means that you can't be doing that physically. Have yeah. you found that this has brought people more closely together, particularly because they need to be much more on top of effectively how people are feeling, how everything's going, what they're working on? Have you found it's brought people together in a way that was unexpected? Yeah, so I think I'm so proud of the way Mason has really pulled together. Um, as you said before, we have a, an amazing culture. and um, and But in times of crisis, you never it's never really challenged until you're in a time of crisis. So we found that everyone is, um, you know, our value of empathy is still high, high on the agenda. Um, I guess in terms of meetings, yes, we, you know, there is an etiquette, making sure people um, get a voice um, and you try and use as much body language as possible because that's the biggest challenge. So in terms of being, you know, having that good social connection is the body language is really hard to read. But in terms of making, um, getting to know each other better, that's, that's really um, this um, situation has helped with that. So we, you know, would ask questions or we'd see things in the background. We'd see family. Um, you know, my team, we've had uh, family team meetings in the morning where we'd get whoever's in the house to come and meet the rest of the team. Um, we've had, this morning, we had questions around um, would I rather, so would I rather fly or would I rather um, 
run fast, you know, like a cheetah. Very good. We know that <laughs> yeah. we know those well. We do a few of those as well ourselves. It's very yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've done that. We've put up family photos in the background, um, all those sorts of things. Um, we also, as a company, did a, um, a pet parade. So people brought their dogs, cats, very good. guinea pigs we had, um, and we, we kind of displayed that and they did their tricks and um, that was that was a real lot of fun. We've done bingo nights. We've done trivia nights. Um, so we've really tried to maintain that social um, and, cult, and and that's part of our culture as well, but those connections as much as possible. And that would be one of the biggest challenges I see organisations facing over the next six to eight months um, as, you know, I don't imagine we're all going to be in the same place for at least that amount of time. How do you keep going? How do you keep coming up with those ideas? Because there's a lot of energy in, in doing that. Well, this probably takes us on to the, the next topic, which is really looking at what, what is next to come. But I think the point that you were making there at the end, that this is a very human problem, you know, human in the sense straight from the virus itself and how that's affecting us as humans, but down to the human implications from how we see each other, deal with each other, how we how we work in this economy, which, you know, people have been sort of talking all sorts and bits about, which is causing anxiety, all the rest of it. I mean, it's a very human yeah. problem that we are going yeah. through. I'm often reminded of that when... I walk down to the river nearby here and you just see all the animals like the birds or even if you see fish swimming, they've got no idea. They're just carrying on as life as the way it normally is. It's this, it's this very human challenge that we're facing. So what is your view on how the government has gone about the timing? And also, we don't want to get into a government thing, but I guess yeah. where, maybe where we're sitting at the moment in yeah. opening things back up and getting back to work. Do you feel that where we're sitting at the moment is sort of the right pace of where we're going? Because I know a lot of people are debating it out there of whether or not we should be rushing back, whether we should be taking a cautious approach, whether we shouldn't be rushing at all. Mm-hmm. What would be your, and I'll just say your personal view as opposed yeah, to getting sure. anything out of a company, but what would you say onto that? Yeah, <clears throat> I, don't, uh, I don't want to see anyone rushing, uh, rushing into anything. Uh, we've done such an amazing job um, to, to drop the curve. Um, so I want to see that continue, obviously. And I think a, a three-phase approach that the government uh, has, has instigated is, is great. Um, and I guess as each phase passes, before we kind of go into the next pass, we have to look back to go, well, what's happened with the with the increase with infections yep. and, and testing and so on. Um, and as long as so as long as people don't rush through phase one um, and don't go, oh well, it's you know only it's only a couple of weeks till phase two. I'll you know have that party of twenty people in my house rather than five. Um, then, you know, I think it's, it's a good pace. Um, there will be a lot of people who, who, you know, you mentioned the anxiety, that's obviously a, a huge issue for companies. Um, for us, you know, we're certainly not rushing anyone back into the office. Um, you know, we want to find out from them how they're traveling. We want to provide them with resources to help them through that. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm personally comfortable with the pace. Um, I would see stage three when, they're um, inviting companies to start to get back into the office around that mid-July um, period. Uh, feels right, but again, I always want to look, look to where we are and where we've been and make sure that um, you know we're not kind of don't see an uptick in that curve again. And the sense that you've had from talking to people about it it's been interesting for me to to chat with a number of different companies, you know, all the way from huge corporates down to to startups as well. And for some people. You talk to them about this and from a personal level and they sort of say, well, it's filling some people with dread. Others are quite excited about it. They just want to get back out and, you know, and see yeah. people again. That's sort of down to their personality as well. Yeah. 
is there a psychological effect almost in a way of the whole prospect of, of people working from home? Because I know I have a close friend who was even saying to me, I am, I'm terrified of that, of that prospect. And I think it's going to be a very personal choice. But what do you see? Is it, is it a psychological thing that we're actually going to have to deal with? I think initially, very much so. Whilst the virus is still kind of alive and well, um, certainly while there's no vaccine and, and no sight of a vaccine, there will be people who are um, immensely um, worried and scared and anxious. Uh, you've also got those who are in high-risk categories where that, that um, is even more um, critical. So um, I, I think so initially, psychologically, yeah, we're going to have to really... Um, be, employed, be led by the employees as to their comfort level to come back into the office. Um, there, you know, there, there may come a, a time where some companies say, oh, we want, you know, we've, we've done all the safety precautions, the government's done all the safety precautions, um, you know, the, the curve has really dropped, we're very, very minimal cases. Um, perhaps borders, international borders are perhaps still closed, so we're not introducing new um, cases. Um, and companies may want to say, look, we really are encouraging you now to, um, to get back into the office. We, we want to see you. We want you to be part of the, the organisation. But on the other hand, it's, it, we'll have, well, we've been doing it for so long. Um, the company is still successful, um, you know, we hope, and therefore, why can't I stay at home? Um, and so it's look, talking about those situations and how mm. we manage through that um, and, and I you know, me personally, I'm very, obviously my role, I'm very much about the human contact and looking after the people. So it's balancing that, okay, I need to show you support and get you that psychological support you need to help you move forward. Because I think we do, you know, we will need to start to move forward out of that fear. Um, and, but also balance with, well, yeah, it has been working. So why am I asking? What's the why about why I want, you know, people back in the office? I suppose that's the really, we were talking on the show before about this, that it's a very moral and, and, and almost ethical, I mean, conversation if you want to go to, because there is no, there's no right answer straight up. Yeah. And it is a unique situation depending on every company you go to. You know, if you look at your Woolworths and some of your other companies out there at the moment, with them, they've, you know, a lot of these people have had no choice. They've been, yeah. you have to be in the store, you have to be serving customers face to face. Some of the delivery drivers are going out there. So it's not something that can just be, oh, well, this is the right answer and this is the wrong answer. I think it all just goes, you know, based on that. But do you think that in terms of the situation itself, do you think that what we're seeing right now and what you've seen, particularly over the last nine months, uh, nine weeks, more, 10 weeks, sorry, and what everybody else has seen as well, do you think it's changed the outlook of working from home for particularly managers and business leaders? Is it, cha- is it, is it changed the perceptions that they may have had beforehand? It has to have because... You know, whilst there are obviously a number of businesses that have been impacted um, and they've had to close their doors, even temporarily, they've had to stand down people. Um, there are a lot of other um, companies out there who, who are still doing well. And um, and so, therefore, you can't say that productivity has declined to the level where your business is, is being challenged. Um, so I think it's, it's really lovely to see that. Um, and... Going forward, businesses are going to have a, I guess, a harder uh, conversation around why they want someone to be in the office. And, you know, as humans, I believe a lot of us need that connection. And um, working full-time from home um, is is challenging on an ongoing uh, level. 
So there has maybe there's some in between. I guess that's where I where I'm thinking is that uh, yes, that we'll certainly see an increase in people a number of days people want to work from home, um, but we'd still like to see them in the office. Um, you know, given obviously within the constraints of what we have now, um, but we want to see them in the office so that they're socialising with people outside of their four walls um, or their immediate family and friends. Um, and so there's I think there's that balance of here are the reasons why I want you to be a part of what we have internally. And yeah, I think it's it's funny because we've talked a little bit about that, and I know I've, I've sort of had that with some of the colleagues that I've dealt with as well, where we've talked about this sort of the hybrid approach that you've talked about where, yeah, like we love working from home. It's fantastic. But we also want this other part where we can go in and actually see people and have that engagement. Because again, if I go back to Chris from One Workplace who came on, he talked so much about the power of that physical interaction and the fact that workplaces will now be where you go to seek that out, even if it is for a few hours a day or maybe one or two days a week. But there is that kind of inherent need for people to go and have that. And and I remember we had... uh, friends come past it was maybe two weeks ago and you know we haven't seen pretty much all of our friends the only people we've actually seen is our family now and they came past just to drop something off and we were standing you know on both sides of the fence you know metaphorical fence is actually a real fence so we've got the fence there and we're we're sort of looking at each other and and he went sort of my mate said he went to give me uh the the parcel he was ringing then he sort of went and didn't know what to do, and he just looked so upset about the fact yeah. that he he was yeah. was craving this. I just want to give you a hug. I just want to sort of like you know, shake your hand, whatever. I just want to have that level of physical interaction because as soon as you see each other in person, it is so different to what you get over a video call. So I think that there is going to have to be some way that even if you are a lot more you know worried about germs, I get I got criticised before the crisis of using too much hand sanitizer and stuff like that. But I think that's more than likely going to be the way that we go forward on it. Yeah. But I think you still are going to want to have people that are close to you. you. And it may take a little while to fully get comfortable with it. And you're going to have yeah. different peoples in different camps. But I think we have to be open to that fact. Absolutely. And I think that goes back to the, the three-phase approach, right? I, I know, um, you know, when I see people that I haven't seen for a while, I automatically want to go for a hug. Like that's, you know, that physical piece is really important to me. Um, and that's my, I guess that's my struggle, you know, over this 10 weeks is, is not having that. Mm. Um, and the so brutality be- of it as well, I think, because it happened so quickly. Because I remember you and I were at an event together not long before yeah. everything started happening. And then all of a sudden, everyone was like, no, that's it. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I interrupted. So, uh, yeah, so no, that's fine. So I think, um, you know, with people who naturally want to do that and who um, are waiting for that to happen, that's where we've got to be careful of the phasing that we're not getting too far ahead of ourselves and and, and not taking liberties where um, we shouldn't, particularly in the early days. Like that's just, you know, if we want to get back to that place, we need to take the time now to make sure that we've really um, nailed the, the virus. And that is a very good point you raise there. I'll probably offer a two-part question on this one. But first of all, what are the practicalities? I know you talked a little bit about it, but what really are those practicalities for returning to the office? We've had people talking about, particularly in big office high-rises, is if you're only allowed two per lift, et cetera, it takes you mostly most of the day for someone to to get the whole workforce onto the floor and then they have to leave again. So yeah. how I mean, how practical is this going to be where I know people, some people do staggered things at the moment. Do you think that that's more than likely going to be this sort of staggered, I guess, different team A, team B, team C that sort of come in at the different times and then as we slowly relax and again, the, the vaccine comes through, that's really the only time and, and more than just the vaccine, 
when people actually have taken the vaccine, not just the vaccine being available. So from a practical standpoint, is that where you still see this role of working from home being quite prevalent? Because practically speaking, we can't just go back to what we what we were. That's a really good question because when we started, my team started to put their minds towards what that looks like. Where do you start? You've got safety, you you know, with hygiene, you've got transport, you've got logistics. It's, it's kind of mind mind boggling. Um, you know, a couple of articles that have come out recently around like Australia Square. Um, it's going to take people three hours to get to their floor using the lift. Wow. That's one way. And you've got three hours. <laughs> the yeah. other way, right? So, um, and then public transport have said kind of 12 to 18 people on a bus. Um, so I've heard then that peak hour is now not going to be between 7 and 8 a.m. It'll be up until 11 a.m. Wow. So, you know, don't bother coming into the city until, until after 11. So that really shifts people's days and is not possible for everybody um, working, you know, sort of 11 till 7. So um, we're working with building management to understand, you know, their plan um, with the other tenants. We're lucky we only have only 10 floors, so it's not as big as Australia Square. Um, but certainly public transport is, is a big issue for, for our people in terms of hygiene and just we have people travelling already two hours even without restrictions. Um, and so, you know, that's the sort of thing we want to take into, into um, account. Uh, we'll send a survey out to our people asking them for, um, to understand their situation and their preferences. Um, and work with them on that. We're certainly, um, you know, we will be looking um, around mid-July um, as per phase three of the government to uh, start re-entering the office. Um, and it may just be, uh, you know, we're having the office set up so it's safe for those who can, um, yep. are willing and able to go in. Um, but still the majority of people we imagine will probably stay working from home. Yeah, I think it's, again, I mean, time will tell with all this sort of stuff because the other part of it is, is you don't want to lose for all the negative parts of this crisis. You don't want to lose the positive parts that have been generated off the back of it. And if I look at internally for for our company, when we look at what we're measuring, we've seen a really interesting you know spike in learning and growth of people feeling like they're actually learning and growing more than they've ever learned before and, and also this sense of autonomy and independence. So with those factors then in, in obviously having their own impact on uh, productivity, that's where you see you don't want to have these things that, that are reduced, particularly learning and growth and also excitement and energy because even when I was talking with my team about it yesterday, we've gone through phases of excitement and energy. At the start, it was the novelty of being able to work from home and yeah. have your whole set up and do your coffee or whatever it might be. But now it's a different level of excitement and energy about what the future might hold to when you try and take the positive out of it as opposed to yeah. the negative. So I think you don't want to lose those those positive things that have been created while trying to go back. And this probably goes to my next question, which is, do you think it will actually go back to normal? You know, can it go back to the way it was? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think people have taken out so much from, so much positivity from working from home um, around their personal situation <clears> that they're not going to want to give it up. And um, I'm not sure when when they introduced it, but Mervac um, have a, um, a benefit, I guess, um, that they have uh, called one thing where everybody chooses, I don't know if you've heard of it, but everyone yeah. chooses one thing that they really don't want to give up. So it might be breakfast with the kids or it might be play a round of golf in the afternoon, um, you know, once a month or whatever. You know, they choose one thing that really brings them joy. And, um, you know, we'd love to be able to do that um, at a Mason as well. 
and it fits in very nicely with who we are um, as a company. Mm. And so I think with that, um, the level of people who have found that one thing that brings them joy, that they're really now not willing to give up because they can see that they can still perform their role well and have this, um, you know, they'll be really um, wanting to keep that that going. So, so no, I, I don't think, um, regardless of the virus um, being, you know, in control with the vaccine or, or not, um, I think people are still going to want to um, perhaps bring back more of a balance in terms of working from home and being in the office. But certainly I think there'll be an increase in the number of people wanting to work from home. Yeah, I think it goes back to almost the waste not, want not mentality of, you know, the Great Depression, which I've seen circulating a lot at the moment where you start, and this goes back to the early points we were making, that you really figure out what matters right now. You know, and if, as you're saying there, if it's the one thing that really brings you joy, I think that people are becoming much more in tune and focused on the stuff that matters to them and realizing that there's a lot of noise that surrounds the rest of it that you don't, you don't need and you can actually shut out. So I think it will be... Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody has the crystal ball to determine exactly what it would look like, but I would, I'd share a lot of your views that I think that it's definitely going to be a new normal, and I think it's it's how we adjust to that. On the on the notion of then that being a new normal, trust is something that has come up, you know, before about mm. people working from home anyway, and this probably relates to one of the earlier questions around people being more surprised, particularly from a management point of view, on on what working from home can do. Do you think trust has actually taken a really positive step forward? as a result of that? Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding, really. Um, and I think the way that we've been able to, and, and this is, you know, many multiple organisations where you've used the technology to stay in touch with your team, um, you've had to, you know, obviously reset your priorities, um, have more regular check-ins so that they know that you're there to, to help them, that that trust has, has blossomed. Um, I haven't heard of any examples, examples of where that hasn't hasn't occurred. So it's, you know, again, one of the benefits of, of this situation we find ourselves in. And I think it comes back to like the mindset you go into it, right? So people can have their mindset changed, but particularly if you are going into it from a growth mindset, you know, rather than a fixed mindset mentality, that is something where people, those people are probably far ahead. But I think what the benefit of this is doing is it's shaping people because you have no choice to think yeah. any other way. So you, you now become aware of the positivity of change because change can be scary, but change yeah. can also be really positive at the same time. Yeah. So I think if you, sorry, if, if there you, you go, yeah. from a personal perspective, if you go in without that growth mindset, um, even mm. if it's you kind of feel like you're being dragged into it, um, not willingly, uh, you're setting yourself up for failure almost if you don't, you know, build that trust and, and, and move into that growth mindset. Um, it's be a very lonely and unhappy place. This is hard enough being um, kind of, you know, in isolation, hard enough being away from, from the physical contact without then isolating yourself as, a, as an employee or, or a manager um, if you're not trusting the people around you to work. So um, I guess that's why I haven't really heard of any, any um, stories where it hasn't happened. I've very much enjoyed our conversation, Tracy. I think it's one of these dynamic topics that when there are no fixed answers to it, I think you can uh, you can definitely talk about it for a lot. But one thing I did want to 
finish on was your point that you made right at the beginning, which was about differentiation with now remote work having been something that was lauded as a very positive benefit. So from where you sit at the moment, and it's it's still early days, and I think that Amazim is way ahead of the curve from other people I've spoken to anyway in terms of all of the benefits that you offer and how you actually create this amazing culture. So where do you see things going then from a differentiation standpoint when all of the working environment is now from home, everyone's more used to that, it now shifts to something else. What do you think that something else might be? Um, I actually think it's how you build, how you help people build the home environment, the home office environment. Um, that's one of the things that we're looking at. How do we um, make it safe, one, but how do we make that more, you know, inviting, appealing? How do we make that more part of the office um, building that, you know, we have in the city? Uh, so that that's certainly one. Um, there'll be other things around, you know, we, what, what does flexibility, the new flexibility look like? So you've got your standard, yes, you can work from home, but okay, that's a given. What else might that be around, um, you know, nine-day fortnights or um, more introducing more part-time or job share opportunities for people? Um, I think actually job share is maybe something not necessarily um, for people right now, um, but it's something that, that may crop up as people decide that they, they want to spend more time at, at home. Um, so there's things like that. Um, I think there is also how do we differentiate ourselves to bring each other together, um, and that's not just events because that, that, that's hard. Mm. But you know, what are the what are the ideas that that we come up with yeah. um, from a cultural perspective to keep that going um, and keep that community. I think that's going to be a fascinating space to watch. So mm. I guess as I guess as they say, stay tuned. Tracy Murphy, thank you so much for, for joining us on The Science of Us. For anyone that would like to learn more about Tracy, we'll put some information in the show notes. But once again, thanks. hope you're staying safe still, and uh, we look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Thanks, Tim. Pleasure to be here. That's it for this episode of The Science of Us. If you'd like to learn more about Tracy Murphy or Omasim, check out the show notes. And if you enjoyed what you heard, we'd love for you to leave us a review on either Apple or Spotify. It means a lot. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Helix, www.helix.com. At Helix, we give you visibility on your people and progress. That includes instant feedback on how your people are feeling, an easier way to track goals, simplify one-on-ones, and connect your team regardless of where they are. For now, we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Us.